This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mock Draft is coming up here on Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects on all levels. We're talking high school prospects, college transfers in the transfer portal, recruiting classes, NFL prospects, and of course the NFL Draft. As always, we are brought to you by our great partners, Blue Wire Pods, in order to produce the show and get that out onto your favorite podcast platform. Uh, you can also follow Prospects 101 on social media at Prospects 101 Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have a full show for you today, and we've got a full crew as well. All three of us are back in the saddle. Kenny Keller, Brandon Pastel, 20 days until that glorious Thursday night of the first round of the NFL Draft. I'm so excited, man. I know we were talking about this through text the other day when Riley was on that text group as well and just talking about how fun April 29th is going to be. We're going to be all at Brandon's house. We're going to be having some brewskis, watching some foot, watching some draft, I'm sure eating some wings. So I'm pumped, boys. It's going to be fun. All four of us. When's the last time all four of us were all together during the first round of the draft? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I know I've watched it at Pastel's. I've watched it with you at your place, Gless, with Riley. The last two um, years, I think, right? Yeah, but I don't think all four of us have been together for it in a long, long time. I'm excited, man. This is going to be a good time. Yeah, certainly can't wait for it. Uh, do you guys have a go-to, like, no, snack? Or what do you like to eat when you watch the draft? Okay. Man, I would say my go-to snack or, or food, I love wings. Like, I don't think you can ever go wrong with wings. Um, Pastel makes some really good wings. I'll hand it to him. These wing, these wing dings he made last yes, year were really good. Those are really delicious. But I, I think my go-to is probably wings. And then I, I don't think you can go wrong with, like, combos or snacks like that. Like, that's just a staple of, of like, stuff that you could just finger foods. Or maybe, oh, dude, hey, Gless. What do you think about bacon-wrapped jalapenos? Maybe I'll bring some of those down. Oh, I love ooh, that. I think – ooh, nice. that sounds delicious. I'm about, all about that. I, I think, think you got to have be... some nachos, though, right? got to have nachos when it comes to the drafts as well, right? I mean, yeah, I would think so. Nachos are, are always awesome. Nachos. I like some totally tachos. Ooh, with some tachos. tachos. Do it with some tots. Ooh, yep, maybe some bacon nice. bits on there, a little sour cream, that. some cheese. Mm, that sounds good. Actually, you know what's you know what is probably the most underrated and underappreciated game day snack of all time? Totino's pizza rolls, dude. I know they're so. Oh basic, my gosh, dude! But- you you took the thought right out of my right out of my brain, dude. I love pizza bites. I could eat. Oh I yeah, a hundred of those Totino pizza rolls, dude. They're so good. Well, dude, that's the worst when you. Get- Go ahead, Pastel. I'll say when you get a few drinks in yourself and you find yourself looking for food and you find yourself have a, a hundred count of those pizza rolls, <laughs> and the next morning, man, you're like you're down to like three just because you didn't want to say you ate them all, but you really you had yeah. 97 of them. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> those things go quick, man. I tell you that. Before you know it, you're through the whole bag. Um, well, speaking of that, since we'll all be together, I think what's funny is and we talked about it offline. I don't know if you guys have given it any thought, and you guys mentioned on your last show, but we should definitely come up with some good prop, 
you know, some funny prop bet lines, some some game night bets, and, and I used the example of we were in Asheville, and I guess I had had too much to drink, and everybody <laughs> listening to the show knows how I feel about guys who opted out. And so I made a stupid, very drunken bet with Pastel that Caleb Farley – that the fact that he's the top corner in the draft and he's top 10 in all these drafts is a freaking joke. And then I bet I bet him drunkenly $50 that Caleb <laughs> Farley will not go in the first round, which Pasto's got a little bit of a sweat going on right now. I do. He's falling do. in a lot of mock drafts. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we, we've got that kind of side bet going on. If I could go back, I probably wouldn't make the bet. But uh, I'm still a man of my word, so I will upkeep that. Hey, man, there's been – I think I've seen probably over five mock drafts in the last five days. I have seen at least two of those with him falling to the second round, and one of those was the 30-second pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's definitely <laughs> falling. His stock has dropped. I still got faith he's going to be a, a first-round pick, but it's going to be close. I has got I, a big time sweat going on. I'm big excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see this play out as a neutral party. I'm so pumped because when you made the bet, Glass, I like. I remember physically texting Pat Stell that night. I was like, "You just won fifty bucks! Like, congrats!" And now it's like, "Oh my gosh, dude, with his back surgery and everything else that's going on, he's he back surgery. Fall. Hadn't played a year and a half. He's torn his ACL before. Didn't per, didn't have a physical pro day." Man, there, there's a lot of reasons he could fall. A lot of reasons. Hey, if this but, happens, but, I would lose it. But speaking of, like, prop bets, I want Glessner. If Trey Lance somehow falls to the Washington football team and he is y'all's first-round pick, I side bet is you have to get a football jersey with Trey Lance on the back. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I, I'll, good one. I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree to that on the show. Yeah. I, if, if All right. If we pick Trey, here's the thing, and this is this happened when we picked Haskins or Trashkins too. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't love the pick just because I didn't like Dwayne Haskins coming out. I, I let's see, I didn't love him. I didn't hate him either. But like we didn't move up to get him. Right, he fell to us at 15. I said, all right, we'll, we'll stick with the kid and say I'll feel the same way for Lance. I don't love Lance by any means, um, but I don't hate the prospect either. Like I think he has. The and and you can go back and listen to me kind of break him down. I love the the physical skills. I just I just don't know mentally mentally if he's there, and then if the accuracy is there either. So I I wouldn't you know look, dude. If my team picks him, I'm gonna go ahead and root for him. So I, I'll take that bet. I, I'll buy a jersey if that happens. Hey, hey Kenny, what is a player that the Jacksonville Jaguars would draft with their second pick in the first round? that you would hate, you would despise if they drafted this guy? I don't know, man. I was thinking about it, like, because I kind of had a feeling this was coming my way. Like, what what player do you hate? Because if they draft him, I'll get their jersey, et cetera. But I really don't – I really don't have one, man, because everybody, all the prospects in the first round that I really don't like aren't – most likely aren't going to be a – or, like, be there when the Jags pick. Like, they're obviously not going to go number one. Um, and then – 25, like Jalen Waddle's going to go before 25. Like, that's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. I, what about guys like Justin Tryon or Levi Oshwiski, the dude from UW sat out? What if, like, what I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I would have to, I would have to really dig into like some midday or, or early second day guys that I might not be quite sold on or that I wouldn't want us to draft, but. I mean, I, honestly, the biggest second-day pick I don't really like that everybody talks about is Kyle Trask, which I know Gless actually has a, a different opinion on him now, and we'll get into oh, that man. maybe on another show. But, I, yeah, I don't know, man. There's really – there's just what really about nobody a running back, I dislike. What if you pick the uh, running back? With the I'm, okay with take, I'm, okay, I'm okay with taking a running back in the second round. No, with a 25th pick. Oh, uh, I would not be a fan of taking, like, Chupa Hubbard. I would not – anybody that's not named Najee Harris with the 25th pick, I would not be happy with. Okay. Just because I think drafting a running back in the – with the 25th pick would be a waste. Unless I would be okay with Najee Harris. Oh, what okay. about – what? no, no. You know who you would hate, Kenny? You would hate if they picked uh, – what's his name from Penn State who had zero sacks. Ooh, and now Jason everybody's Owa. jocking him as a first-round pick. <laughs> okay. 
Yes, that is. I, you know what? And someone mocked him to the Jags the other day, and I was like, because they were like, they were like, Urban's gonna want speed off the edge. And I was like, oh, don't draft that guy in the first round because we drafted Clavion Chase, Chase on last year, and he's yep. been trash. He was horrible. Yeah, that would be. I would be. I would be really butthurt if we took the DN from. I think it's Jason Owe, right? Yeah, I would be pretty yeah. butthurt about he stinks. that. Yeah, that stinks on ice. I'd be, you know what? I'd be pissed if the Washington football team took him too. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> Nothing worse than yeah, guys that uh, don't produce in college. How the heck are they going to produce? Yeah, so in I, the I NFL? guess I guess a running <laughs> I guess a running back not named Najee Harris at twenty five, and then Owa. Like those would be the guys I would I would definitely don't want right. at, at those picks. But other than that, that's pretty much about it. Like I'm okay with. If Aziz Uzalari or Greg Russo or Jalen Phillips go to us, or even guys like Joe Tryon or, you know, Kadarius Tony, right. I'm okay with that. So, man, I'm right, not well, a big fan of Tony for some reason. Go, go ahead, go, go ahead, Pasto. I'm saying I'm not a big fan of Tony. After watching his pro day, he just looks he looks like he's I don't know like he's going to drop the ball every time he catches it. He's extremely fast, had a phenomenal splits, great cone drills and everything, but I just feel like he has drop problems and he's not going to, his catch radius is not going to be there because he's always worried about dropping the ball. So he's going to catch things in his chest, have alligator arms. I, I just hesitate with, uh, with Tony a little bit, but yeah. that being said, let's go to the mock draft class. That's nice. right. All right. Well, let's get into top news. Actually, before we get into top news real quick, because this is, this is draft central. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have had the ability to do it yet. I know I mentioned on, on our group chat last night, ESPN Plus has uh, in their detail series, which basically they take the all 22 film and break it down. And Tim Tebow broke down uh, Kyle Trask and Trevor Lawrence. And they took T-Law's game from Notre Dame. And that's pretty good, right? I mean, break down. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick and one of the one of the best quarterback prospects come out in the last 20 years. So not a lot changed there. I tell you what, mm-hmm. watch the Kyle Trask film against – and they break down the SEC championship. Those are big-time throws. I mean, those are NFL Pro Bowl calibers. I was blown away at how good his film looked against Alabama. Um, and if he – if the Washington football team got him in the second or third round, I'd be okay with it. I was blown away at how I forgot how good he was that day. I know he doesn't. He only has one and a half years of experience. I know he didn't start in high school. He played behind Kyler Murray. I get it. But what I saw last night was really, really impressive. Um, and those are all big time NFL throws. So I, I just encourage you guys to watch it. I'd be curious to see what you guys think. Um, you know, they broke them down all four quarters, big time throws. I was really impressed. So curious to get your guys' thoughts, um, you know, when you guys watch that. Certainly worth, worth the watch, about 30 minutes. Tebow breaks them down. Tebow does a great job. They have a couple with Eli Manning and Peyton Manning, and those are pretty mm-hmm. boring. That Those will put you to sleep. You know, Peyton <laughs> Manning's doing doing all these bits on there. It's not really like breaking it down. But they have one – they have two with Tebow, and then they have Nick Saban actually breaks down Joe Burrow and Tua Ooh, in college. Cool. And those are unbelievably excellent, right? And just because Nick Saban breaks them down and, and breaks down all the defensive concepts that Burrow and Tua saw and how they kind of dissected them. So it's really good. I encourage you guys to watch that on ESPN Plus uh, as well as everybody else listening. But let, let's get into some top news. Really one really large piece of news, and it impacts the draft significantly. Sam Darnold. A lot of people expected him to not be in a Jets uniform, and that certainly is true because last week he was traded to the Carolina Panthers for, I joke around, for peanuts. Um, So that eighth pick that the Carolina Panthers have, unless something wild happens, I don't see Carolina taking a quarterback there or moving up to take a quarterback. So that leaves – a lot open for other teams such as the Patriots, teams like the Denver Broncos, to certainly move up and get their guy. Hey, what did you guys think of Sam Darnold, one, being traded to the Panthers, and kind of his development, and two, what other draft implications may become of that? Yeah, I, I thought it was a good trade for the Panthers. They didn't give up an exorbitant amount to, to get him. 
you know, he doesn't have a huge contract. It's not like they're going to get stuck with some some albatross of, of a contract. You know, they have Teddy Bridgewater, so if they have to, they could do another bridge year with Bridgewater. Um, but this gives Sam Darnold an opportunity to show why he was taken as a top five pick. You know, he gets to play with Christian McCaffrey. He gets to play with DJ Moore. He gets to play with, you know, Robbie Anderson, a guy he's familiar with from the Jet, his time at the Jets. You know, he's got some talent around him now, that talent that he didn't have around him with the Jets. He's going to have some organizational stability. It seems like Matt Rule is building something decent there uh, in Carolina. And, you know, he gets to work with Joe Brady, the quarterback whisperer. Um, so I, I think it's a very low-risk deal that the Panthers made with a very high reward potentially. And look, everybody loves the Teddy Bridgewater story. And it's a great, it's a great story that he was able to come back and play and start and get a a decent contract, but he's not a starting quarterback. He's an upper tier backup. That's what he is. So why not see what Sam Darnold has left in the tank, see if he's damaged goods or not, get him around some playmakers. And who knows, maybe Carolina just got their franchise quarterback for a second round pick. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember too, they picked up a fifth year option. So I think over the next two years, they'll have them for about $23 million over two years. So really not much for a starting quarterback in today's NFL. So good pickup for them. The big question though is, say Justin Fields does fall to them at the eighth spot. Do they go ahead and draft them? I don't think they will. I think they will, considering they picked up a fifth year option, they'll consider, uh, continue to put players around him, possibly like a Devontae Smith, possibly like a Jamar Chase or the top uh, lineman in the draft. So I don't think much draft implications as far as them drafting a quarterback. The question is now, can they trade out of that spot, pick up those picks they lost, and still get a quality player knowing that they're not in the market for a quarterback now? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who wants to move up to eight to get that or – if, like in my mock draft, I have potentially the best defensive player in the draft falling to them at eight, so do you take the best defensive player in the draft? Or, to Pastel's point, do you trade out of eight to a team like, you know, maybe New England tries to move up and get their quarterback. Maybe the Bears try to move up and get a quarterback. Maybe the e, you know, well, not the Eagles, maybe the Giants – really want Micah Parsons, so they take up and get – so, I mean, a lot of scenarios could happen, and I think that's what's really going to be exciting about that number eight spot is what Carolina does. Now, without further ado, fellas, it is now time for my mock draft, right? So we've done pastels. We've done Kinney's. Now, I will say mine's a little bit more unfair because I got to see how free agency panned out as well as – a lot of these recent trades that have happened. So, you know, if we end up going back after the draft and to see who's more accurate, and let's just say that I win, right, that I was closest, really unfair, right? And I will 100% admit that, right, because I I was the last one to go. So, um, again, you know, a lot like what Brandon said early on, this is what I think will happen opposed to what I would do. So I just want to give that um, that disclaimer. I was, I was just about to ask, I was just about to ask you that because I know mine was what I would do and Pastel's was what he thinks would happen. So I was going to ask you what your what your category what your mock was going to categorize it. So I, th- I think good. this is what what will happen, right? So when I came up this, I looked at all the teams' needs, where they went in free agency, and I, I tried to basically match the best person, the best player with what the, the different needs are. Um, so I think this, this I, is what, what's going I to am, happen. I am seeing something that I, I, I'm going to ask you about after we get through all 32 picks. I, 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 do know, have, I know you are. I, I, mean, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, got, I've got two things. That I'm Ew, Farley. <laughs> no, it was, but, yeah, I'll, I'll ask you about once we get through all 32. So, without further ado, Gless, let's, let's dive into your top five. So, number one, you've got Jacksonville taking Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, out of Clemson. Number two, you have the Jets taking quarterback Zach Wilson uh, out of BYU. At three, you have the 49ers taking quarterback Matt Jones, out of Alabama. At four, you have the Falcons taking tight end Kyle Pitts out of Florida. 
and you have at number five the Cincinnati Bengals taking offensive tackle Penny Sewell out of Oregon. Go you ahead do. and defend your top five. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one's going to be Mac Jones at three. One, there's a lot of there's a, a lot of rumors going around that Mac Jones is their guy, and there's actually been a lot of rumors that Lynch likes someone else and that Shanahan likes Mac Jones. I, I chose Mac Jones for a couple reasons. Mac Jones just seems in his playing style and what he likes to do to be a very Shanahan-like quarterback, right? Everything he does, pretty accurate with the ball, distributes it, fast hand. I just think that if Shanahan gets his way, I think Mac Jones is probably the guy over Fields. That's my gut, but I could be wrong. I, I think that either one of those, I think either Jones or Fields makes a lot of sense there because I think that, you know, for that third spot. But to me, Jones edged it out because I think that Jones is just more of a Kyle Shanahan guy. And then Pastel, you get your, your Penny Sewell at five. Yes, sir. I threw around Atlanta <laughs> trading out of the fourth spot and somebody else moving up. But I didn't move there because what happens six through ten, I think that, and, and we'll get to this here in a second, I think the team that wants to move up to get Justin Fields only has to get to seven. They don't need to get to four. So I think Atlanta stays uh, stays pat there at four. And word is Atlanta loves Kyle Pitts. So I think that that's a match made for Matt Ryan in that Atlanta offense as well. So that's where I went one through five. Any hard yeah, pass? I, I got nothing for you, Gus. I I don't. I, I think it's a it's a pretty chalk top five, and I agree with it all. the The only thing is what Gluster mentioned is if Fields is sitting there at four, when a lot of teams think Fields is their third best quarterback, is there a team willing to risk it? Like at the seventh spot and not trade up, or do they trade up all the way to four? I'm 50-50 on a team all the way, training up all the way to four, right. but Atlanta does lose out on picking one of the top three players, being Kyle Pitts and they swore Javar So I'm with I you, think, I think it's a good top five. I think the only way Atlanta trades out of four is if they make it known that at four they're going to select whatever, whether it's Trey Lance or Justin Fields or whoever – that they're going to select a quarterback at four. If they're if, if it's known within NFL circles that Atlanta's not targeting a quarterback, then I don't think they're going to be able to trade out because because there's no reason to trade up to four unless you're that high on like Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell, or Jamar Chase. If you're that high on one of those three guys, then maybe. But if you're not and you're looking for a quarterback, you don't have to worry about the Bengals or the Dolphins to select a quarterback, and you really don't have to worry about the Lions selected a quarterback at seven, and maybe the Panthers at eight. Yeah. So, really, I mean, you know, I, I just don't see anybody trading up to four if unless Atlanta makes it known that they're going to select a quarterback if nobody trades up with them. Yeah, no, so so I agree 100%, and that's why I had them sticking at four is because yeah. I, I've just never been on this train that Atlanta's going to select a quarterback. That That contract is an absolute nightmare and to have a guy sit behind Matt Ryan for two years, I just, you know, with a team that needs help now, I, I think you could get potentially the best player in the draft in Kyle Pitts and have a chance to win that division next season right there at four. So I, yeah. I've just never seen that on that train. And I could be wrong, guys, but I, I don't think it's ever happened in NFL draft history where four quarterbacks have gone in the first four picks. So that's why I just went with – that's why I had Atlanta sitting there and, uh, and selecting Kyle Pitts. It's going to be interesting because Atlanta's going to be the, the straw that stirs the drink potentially in the first, you know, 10, 15 picks based on what they do. So with that being said, let's get through your six through ten. At pick number six, the Miami Dolphins, you have selecting wide receiver Jamar Chase from LSU. At number seven – we have our first trade, Gless. Gless has Denver swapping picks with the Detroit Lions, jumping from nine to seven and selecting quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State. At eight, he has the Carolina Panthers selecting, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the draft, linebacker Micah Parsons out of Penn State. At nine, the Lions, who just swapped back, are drafting wide receiver Devontae Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama, and at number 10, the Dallas Cowboys are selecting 
cornerback Patrick Sertan out of the University of Alabama. Glass, defend your picks. Absolutely. So the reason I went with Denver moving up the spot to seven instead of instead of just swapping one spot one, I could see other teams seeing fields drop and move up really quick. So I think the Lions or the Denver gets in front of that in this scenario and gives even to move up two spots to seven and takes fields because they don't want somebody trading with the Panthers at eight and, and being left out a little bit too late. So I, I think they see fields there on the board and they move up two spots to get them. I think Dolphins go chase. They get their number one receiver there to help Tua out. Uh, the Lions or Carolina Panthers get best guy, best defensive player in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, linebacker is a need for them as well. I think Parson and Shaq Thompson could be maybe the best linebacker tandem in the NFL if you pair them together. And then the Cowboys at 10 taking the best corner in the draft, best cover corner. It's got the size, uh, really good athletes, had a really, really great pro day. Uh, and the Cowboys take Patrick Sertan the second and really kind of sure up that secondary. Yeah, I, I, Gless, I don't have any. I don't really have any objections to your six through ten. Uh, I think Fields is a good fit in Denver. They've got some weapons there with Fant and Judy um, and Hamler out that way. Uh, you have Melvin Gordon at running back. So Denver's got a, some decent weapons on offense. I don't hate the pick. I don't think they. Sh- I, I'm torn on whether they should go quarterback or not because um, I do. I'd like to see Lot get another shot, but. I don't hate – I think Justin Fields is the second-best quarterback, so I think it's incredible value at seven. Uh, I, personally, I like Smith more than I like Chase at wide receiver, but I get the pick. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably splitting hairs, but me personally, I like Smith. And then the Cowboys could go a ton of different ways. Uh, they could go offensive line. They could go pretty much anywhere on defense. So I, I like them taking the top corner on the board. That's a, that's a good pick. Yeah, and – you know, Riley, one of our old co-hosts and one of our best friends, he loves Waddle being the receiver uh, from Alabama to go to the Dolphins. He thinks he just fits that team so much better than any of these other receivers. But that all being said, I think Jamar Chase probably has the highest floor uh, of any of these guys. While the other two have a pretty high ceiling, I think the safest pick from a wide receiver standpoint is Jamar Chase. So I think that's the option that they have to go with. Not to mention his pro day, he did he did blow it out of the water with the four three eight forty. His vertical, his coming drills, and everything were unbelievable. So I think the Dolphins will pick Jamar Chase if he's available, and the Bengals don't pick him. Everyone else, I agree with Kenny. Pr- pretty good picks for everybody. Cowboys, they had the worst one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year, so they have to do something to address that. They had a lot of corners go to another team in free agency, so I think Devontae Smith's probably the safest pick for them at the number ten spot. Dude, how how what's going to be interesting is if say the Bengals like so the Bengals and the Dolphins at five and six literally are having quarterbacks lobby to take their old college wide receivers. Like obviously Joe Burrow is leaning hard on the Bengals front office to select Jamar Chase because that was his go-to guy in college. Yep. And then and then I'm sure Miami, I'm sure Tua. I've heard reports that Tua is lobbying hard to get Devonta Smith. At six, like how crazy would that be if both guys successfully win, like they're lobbying and get them to draft their their college number <laughs> ones? That would be wild. It'd be wild. But what's I'll say this real quick. about it is it is like the Bengals clearly need to protect Joe Burrow, right? So it's that man. Yeah. If Penny Sewell is there at five, are you gonna are you gonna take a receiver? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd rather protect well, the, my asset, but who knows? The, th- the thing with the Bengals is if they pick a receiver like Jamar Chase, this, this, this draft has unbelievable depth in the offensive line position. So they can possibly get a Samuel Cosme and Alex uh, Leatherwood uh, in the second round. There's a lot of guys that could drop them in the second round. You're not going to find another top-tier receiver, I don't think, that falls in the second round. So that's probably what they're – weighing right now is can they get an offensive lineman that could be a day one start in the second round and pass up on Jamar Chase or vice versa if you get Pene Sewell are you praying that Rashad Bateman or Terrence Marshall falls to them in the second round so that's probably what they're weighing right now by the by the way before we get to 11 through 15 you just unlocked a memory that I forgot I had you were asking earlier we're going to circle back you were asking earlier about guys I wouldn't want at 25 or 32 
or, or 33, or, you know, I think we have like the 40th pick in the second round as well. I, I don't want Alex Leatherwood anywhere near the Jacksonville Jaguars draft this year. I think he stinks. <laughs> you said his name, and I immediately, like, I immediately regurgitated a little bit. And I was like, nope, I don't want him anywhere near the Jags draft. To get Alex Leatherwood away. I, I, I think right, well, well, he looked terrible at the Senior Bowl, in my opinion. I thought he was garbage. We will uh, remember that for a side bit. Uh, come yeah. uh, right. 29th. All right, all right, Kenny. Let's let's get yeah, to my eleven through 11. fifteen. Eleven through fifteen, starting with the New York Giants defensive end. You have them selecting defensive end Gregory Rousseau out of the University of Miami. The U, uh, number twelve. You have the Eagles selecting Jace Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. At thirteen, you have the Los Angeles Chargers drafting Rashawn Slater. Offensive lineman at a Northwestern. 14th, you have the Minnesota Vikings selecting Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman at a USC. And at 15, I think this is a, one of the best picks you have, Gless, is New England Patriots drafting quarterback Trey Lance at a North Dakota State University. Gless, defend yourself. Yeah, well, let's start with Lance at 15. I think this is really a great spot for him to go that you have cam you have the ability for a year to sit behind learn you're not really thrust into a role right away and I think Bill Belichick is smart enough to see how the NFL is going and looks at Lance's skill set and potentially says hey we, we really don't have anybody in the pipeline at this point right this is a guy that if we just give him time and if we give him a whole football season to get back into it, work on the accuracy issues, that it could potentially be a Patrick Mahomes situation. And so I think it's just too good for them to pass up there at 15. So I really like that landing spot for him. Uh, the Giants uh, taking Rousseau, in my opinion, is probably uh, physically the most imposing rush end in the draft, and the Giants desperately need help there. Uh, and then the Eagles taking Jace Horn. The Eagles need help everywhere. So, um, but defense is really a big need for them. I could have gone receiver with them, but they've drafted receivers in the first round the last couple of years. So I opted to uh, go with the defensive or with the defensive player here. And I think they'll go corner. I think they're, I think they're done trying to get receivers in the first round. I think they may have their eyes on a couple other weapons later in the draft. Man, I, I'd be petrified to pick a DN in the top 15 this year. Like, every DN, Gregory Rousseau, you got Phillips from the U, um, you got Quiddy Pay. All of these guys, I feel like, have such a high bust percentage on what they're going to do in the NFL, and there's so much potential, but and they showed glimpses of it in college. But, man, number 11, while I love his ceiling, that is uh, that's a little risk for my blood, I guess. It's just – I don't know. I think they could address other needs and get a safer pick than Gregory Rousseau. I like it, Gless. I think I have him as my number one edge rusher, and I, I, I know he opted out, and everybody talks about opt outs and being that thing like a like a drum horse. But I, I think he's the best defensive. I think he's the best edge rusher in the draft. I really do. I think he's got the size. I think he's got the measurables. I think he's got the. I think he's got the production in college. Like I think Gregory Rousseau. If he didn't opt out and he had the season that Jalen Phillips, even Quincy Roche had this year on Miami's defensive line, he'd be we'd be talking about him as a top five pick, top six, top seven pick. So I, I think him going 11 is a great pick. My favorite pick and my least favorite pick of this is my least favorite picks were Sean Slater. I, I think this is too high for him. I think if the Jags took him at 25, I'd be pumped. But I think him going to the top 15 is way too high, in my opinion. But I really love Elijah Vera Tucker. I think he's a stud, man. I think he's going to end up being a steal yep. for somebody. Uh, you know, I know he's going to I end agree. up playing. Inter I know he's going to end up playing interior offensive line. He's not going to play tackle, so you know it's probably going to knock him out of the top ten, which is fair. I get that. You're not really taking an interior offensive lineman that high, but I think the Vikings taking him at 14 is tremendous value, and they might be getting the second best offensive lineman overall behind Penny Sewell. Yeah, for sure. And Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a guy, you know, he reminds me a lot of Brandon Sheriff, right? Sheriff yeah. was a tackle coming out in college, 
and now he got moved inside to guard. And I could see Vera Tucker doing a lot of the same thing from the Minnesota Vikings and really being that guy and that stalwart for the next five, six, seven years there in Minnesota. I agree. Let's uh, so let's move on to your 16 through 20 bracket here. You have the Arizona Cardinals selecting Greg Newsom, cornerback out of Northwestern. You have the Raiders selecting Tevin Jenkins, offensive lineman out of Oklahoma State. You have the Dolphins at 18 selecting Quiddy Pay, edge rusher out of the University of Michigan. At 19, you have the Washington football team selecting Christian Darisau, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. And at 20, you have the Chicago Bears selected my boy, wide receiver Rondell Moore out of Purdue. Gless, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, a couple things here. The Cardinals are interesting, and I I definitely think they're going to go secondary. They can definitely use a running back. I think 16 is just too high to take one. And and you're talking about a guy who loves Najee Harris, and and I think he's a three-down back at the NFL level. I just think 16 is too high, so I think they opt for a corner there with Patrick Peterson leaving to go to the Minnesota Vikings. I love Quiddy Pay. Uh, at 18, I think that's really good value, and that's something that the Dolphins really need. He's pretty explosive and can really turn the corner. Um, I think he's going to be a really good situational pass rusher and, and a guy that will be productive for the Dolphins. Uh, obviously, Christian Darisol to the Washington football team. I'm a Washington football team fan. I looked at everybody who was left on the board after this, and I thought that this one is a no-brainer. I think we need to upgrade our offensive line. And so I see Christian Darisol being either a left or right tackle, uh, and he's going to be a guy that's going to be there for a long time. I think that he can really help that offense take it to the next level, especially the Washington football team has upgraded the receiver position. They've upgraded the quarterback position. And defense-wise, defense, defense wise, I could see them go linebacker here, but I, I think you get a lot more value by taking a tackle. So I, I, that's why I went there. So I think it just makes too much sense. And then I think Rondell Moore, his film is fantastic. Uh, when he was out there, I think that there may be some injury concerns from some teams, but I think his pro day was so out of this world that I think he played himself into a first-round pick. And I think the Bears, I, I think it just makes so much sense to pair him up there in Chicago and get them a weapon on the offensive side of the ball. And, Kenny, I knew you'd be fired up about that pick at 20. I love it. I mean, I think everybody knows, you know, he's not my number one receiver technically just because you can't rank him there because of his injury history. And then, you know, you had the weird season this year where he kind of opted out and then was hurt and then he came back, but he really didn't have anybody throwing him the football. So I get it in terms of ranking. But personally, my personal hat on, I think he's my favorite receiver in the draft. I think he's going to end up, when you look back, being the best receiver selected in this draft. So I love the value at 20 there. Uh, I love Quiddy Pay at 18. He's he's right up there with Gregory Rousseau, in my opinion. Uh, I think both guys are kind of head and shoulders above everybody else at the edge position. So I love his value there at 18. Uh, and, and I love Tevin Jenkins at offensive line. I don't think it's going to be any surprise that the Raiders select an offensive lineman considering they're going to have five new starting offensive linemen at this point. They literally got rid of all their starters from last year's team, you know, whether due to trade, salary cap cuts, whatever, whatever the reason, the Raiders are having an entire overhaul on the offensive line. So it makes sense that you have them penciled in to draft a lineman there. Yeah. And I know the Cardinals, we've talked about it before. A lot of people think they could go running back here. This might be the first time you see Najee Harris off the board. Is that number 16 with the Cardinals? And nothing against Greg Newsome, but come on. Where, where's Caleb Farley at, Glessner? This is a, I'm gonna get to this is a prime no spot for him to get picked at. And then my last point, this has nothing to do with my – I mean, I like Rondell more. I really do think he's going to be a good football player. I'm with Kenny is in the fact that I think he's going to have a solid career. I just don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. Like, not what Brandon Pastel will do. I just don't see him – I don't see a five foot seven player getting drafted in the top 20, let alone the top 32. So, we'll see. He's a dynamic football player. I just think he's going to slip out of the first round, though. But Caleb Farley, man, come on. He should be picked by now. We're, we're brewing that conversation for right here in a couple of minutes once we get through this thing. So, let's move it on. Let's go 21 through 25 here. So you have the Indianapolis Colts at 21, selecting Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle at the University of Texas. At 22, you have the Tennessee Titans, selecting Terrence Marshall Jr., wide receiver at LSU. At 23, you have the New York Jets, drafting Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota. 
At 24, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting edge rusher Jalen Phillips out of the U. And at 25, you have my Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Christian Barmore, defensive tackle out of the University of Alabama. Plus, what was your thought process here? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think the Colts go offensive line. I think it's great value with Cosme there at 21. Uh, Jets go Rashad Bateman Bateman here. I, you know, I, I flipped these two receivers a couple times, but Terrence Marshall Jr. just seems more like what the Tennessee Titans like out of the receiver position. So that's why I opted there. I think Steelers need some help everywhere. That Steelers, when I, I go back and forth, I, I went some offensive, but all the offensive linemen went so early, right? So went with a, a rush end here. And then the Jags get the best interior defense alignment in the draft and Christian Barmore. Uh, I think that makes too much sense for the Jags to get and really beef up that defense line. At least, you know, they've drafted defense line before in the past. I do think that uh, Barmore is close to uh, is close to the best defensive lineman that they've selected in the first round in a long time. Just one, he's an interior offensive lineman and. I, I don't think he's going to be that much of a project. I think that he's going to come in and he's going to be really effective right away. Pastel, any indigestion with these picks? Uh, not really. I think Jalen Phillips, I think he fills that Bud Dupree uh, role. That, you know, Bud Dupree went to the Titans, so I think they need another edge rusher. I don't know if uh, Highsmith is quite there in his development. So I think this is a good pick. And honestly, Jalen Phillips, we've talked about it before. If it wasn't for concussions at UCLA – this guy has a top 10 potential. You just worry about his injury uh, history. So overall, I like it. Personally, I'm a bigger fan of Rashad Bateman. I still have Rashad Bateman, arguably as the third best receiver in this draft from my standpoint, and that's over Waddle from Alabama. But I know not as many people are as high on him, so I think 23 is a good spot for him and the Jets as well. So overall, I, it's a good pick. Again, I don't see any Caleb Farley, which is still concerning to me. But <laughs> what about you, Kenny? Uh, yeah, I love the Samuel Cosby pick at 21, even though it goes to a divisional opponent. I think he's uh, one of the most underrated players in the entire draft and would be jumping for joy if my Jags picked him at 25, if he was still there. Uh, I love Rashad Bateman going to the Jets and surrounding Zach Wilson with some firepower. The Steelers picking Jalen Phillips is a very Steeler-esque pick. I feel like they'll find incredible value there and he'll end up being like a 15 sack a year guy. And everybody's going to be like, how did we miss this? And the Steelers once again, will have hit a home run in their draft. They seem to do it every year. Uh, and then the Jacks picking Christian Barmore. I love it. I like the pick. Gless, I, I don't hate it. However, I, I gotta be honest. If we're picking defensive line there, I would rather see us pick Boogie Basham at a wake because he's so, versatile and can play and we have needs all over the line and I feel like he would be a bigger he would be a bigger hole he would be a bigger hole for us to fill because he can play inside he can play outside he can rush the passer he's got size enough to hold up against the run I think he's more of a Swiss army knife that we could utilize however if we do draft Christian Barmore at 25 I'm more than okay with it because our defensive line is atrocious so I like that pick yeah. now let's move on Okay. So I'm not gonna lie. By the way, I'm looking. I'm looking at my mock draft, and I can't believe I forgot this player. I, I botched so it. What a botch! I, this is who I was gonna ask you about at the end of the draft. And I think I know what you're talking about. Where's Jalen Waddle? I know that's exactly what I was thinking. Where, where I, you know, what's funny is I had him penciled in at six, and then I was like, Nah, dude, Waddle's not gonna Love go that it. high. <laughs> and then I just totally forgot to put him in my mock draft. Just totally so that, forgot. That yes. was who I was talking yes. about earlier when I was like, You're, you have one omission that I'm really surprised about, and I'm going to ask you about it. And it wasn't Caleb Farley. What a bot. That was <laughs> What a bot. Uh, so where, where yep, would you, I suck. Where would you put him, Glass? What's, what's an ideal fit for him then? Yeah, where were you thinking outside of six? Like, what were you? What were you? What spot were you looking at? Glass, you there. Um, yeah, no, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Where are you thinking Can you hear me? about? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, had I remembered, I would have put probably him at 18 and had okay. the Dolphins take some somebody else at six. I think the Bears at 20. 
would have made a lot of sense. I don't think we're going to – I think it's going to be Chase and Smith, and I think Waddle's going to fall. But I could see the Bears at 20 taking them too. Yeah, that's a botch. I suck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, kid, man. I was looking at that, and I was like, I was like, this is interesting, and this is something I'm going to use as ammo against Riley in our group chat. So I love it, Gless. You're on my side. Jalen Wallace on the so server. Dumb. Yeah, I'm so dumb. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go 26 to the end of the draft here as we wrap up. 26, the Cleveland Browns. You have them taking linebacker Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. 27, you have the Baltimore Ravens selecting Aziz Ujolari, edge rusher out of Georgia. At 28, you have the New Orleans Saints taking Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback out of Florida State. At 29, you have the Green Bay Packers selecting Elijah Moore, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. At 30, you have the Buffalo Bills selecting running back Najee Harris out of the University of Alabama. 31, you have the Kansas City Chiefs taking offensive lineman Dylan Raddins out of the University of North Dakota State. And last but not least, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have selecting linebacker Jabril Cox out of LSU. Gless, what's your thought? The Bison. The Bison. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) no kidding. (laughs) Two two guys go back-to-back. couple things here. Um, and, and you guys will know that I left Jeremiah um, Kamoa um, Uwosu. I don't know. I always screw that up. The reason I left him out is because I just think he's a little too light. And I, I think he's, what, like 215, 220? Mm-hmm. I think yep. he's a team fit. Great great player. Um, I just think he's he's going to be picked in the second round. I just think – I, he's going to be a scheme fit, and I don't see any of these schemes down here that I think really make a lot of sense for him. So that's why I, that's why with the Browns I went and Zayvon Collins. I just think that makes way, way too much sense. Ravens go edge rusher. Um, the Buffalo Bills go Najee Harris. I think this is a match made in heaven. I think he's what the, he gives that added dimension to the Bills' offense. He can do it all. Great pass catcher for um, – for Josh Allen, as well as he can block, uh, as well as he's a good power runner between the tackles. Chiefs upgrade the offensive line uh, with a very solid player in uh, Redunce. And then Jabril Cox, I think the Bucks stay away from offense. I mean, they, they have everyone back. I think that they try to get another player on defense and another linebacker that they can rotate in there. So that's where I went 26 through 32. Pastel, what are you seeing here? Oh, I mean, I seems to love for the Bison. No JMU players. But uh, I, I've always been a big fan of Jabril Cox. I think this guy can not only uh, pass or rush the passer, I think he's phenomenal in coverage. So I think this guy absolutely would be a home run in the NFL. A little shocked to see him in the first round, but he was going to be a steal for me in the second round. So this makes sense, at least to me. The – other thing, Elijah Moore, I'm falling more and more in love with him. I think he's a better wide receiver than Tony, as I've mentioned before the show. So I think it's fitting that he's there at the Packers, even though historically speaking, the Packers will not draft anybody that helps Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this, then, is year, course, this is the year, Pastel. This is the year it happens. <laughs> Maybe. But Asante Samuel Jr., come on, are you just messing with me at this point? Is Caleb Farley really worse than Asante Samuel Jr. at this point? Hey, man. Hey, well, so, all right. Go, well, go ahead, Kenny, and then so I'll the defend myself. The three names I was going to ask you about that you had left off, one we just covered was Jalen Waddle. The second one you just covered was Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, uh, who, by the way, if this draft plays out like this, I, Urban, please draft JOK at 33. I would love him roaming our linebacker slot. He'd love him to be that hybrid havoc wreaker uh, on defense. And then the third guy was obviously Caleb Farley. So do you, Gless, do you in your heart of hearts believe that he's he's going to drop out of the first round? I'm 50-50 on it. And the reason I'm 50-50 on it, because I think he's in a stream, well, part, part of me, part of me is just hoping my bet comes true, right? So <laughs> I'm basically doubling down. So that's one. <laughs> two. Speak the truth. <laughs> two. I do think that he's pretty risky at this point. I think a guy who hasn't played football in a year and a half, that's one. I think a guy that was unable to have his pro day, and I think he was a guy 
that was going to solidify a top 15 selection with a good pro day. And he didn't even perform on his pro day physically. He hadn't done anything. So, and not only that, but he has a herniated disc. I think I'm going to take a corner and I'm going to trust him to make a tackle. And he has a friggin' herniated disc in his back or a recovering one. I mean, those things just don't go away. Three, he only has one year of real corner experience. Now, he had a great season. Don't get me wrong. That, and he's got other injury history. He's got torn ACL, so, or t- torn ACL. I think it's an extremely risky pick, and it's getting riskier every single day, which is why I think we're seeing him start to fall. I think second round is probably really good value as far as to take a flyer. Dude, I think he's just risky at this point. I, I mean, are you going to stake your reputation as a general manager on a guy with that many red flags at this point physically? I mean, he didn't even perform at his pro day, and, and I thought that's where he, really by sitting out a season, that's what you should have been able to do to go to your pro day, do what Jamar Chase did, do what Micah Parsons did, and he didn't even get to do that because he got injured basically doing non-football activity. So, you know, I could I, – I, part of it is, him, is, is me hoping my bet right, but, dude, I, I line up all of these bullet points. I'm like, eh, I, I could see it. I could see it. Plus, you you make a great argument, man, because I I think the biggest thing is he opted out and shot up the draft boards when he opted out. Like it was, oh, this guy, he's 6'2", he's 210 pounds, he's a former receiver, he's learning how to play the cornerback position, he's got a really high ceiling. And and I've kind of been on the fence that he's been the number two corner. I've maintained all along, I think – uh, Sertan is the best corner in the draft, uh, but I do I did acknowledge that Farley has a really high ceiling. But dude, you do make a great point, man. You you opt out, you get no additional film, you're still raw, you're still learning how to play the position. You basically spent the last year and a half preparing for your pro day because that's what most of the opt out guys did because they're not practicing, they're not getting any game reps. So he's been practicing. He's been, and then he gets hurt and blows out his back, essentially, has to have a herniated disc operation. By the second time he's hurt his back, he hurt his back deadlifting, and then this is a byproduct, and he had surgery on it, and this is a second surgery to repair that as well. So this is the second surgery he's had on his back. He's had ACL injuries. That is very concerning. That is very concerning. There's two things that scare you as a talent evaluator. That's bad backs and bad knees. And – I think he's going to go at this point 20 or lower. I think that's where he goes. I don't see him going in the top 20. I don't know if he's going to fall out of the first round. Maybe someone takes a risk on him. However, there is reasonable doubt. And, Gless, I think I think if I was a judge, you created reasonable doubt in my mind. <laughs> Get out of here. But here's the thing. So, so you're going to take a guy with all of those red flags – like you're going to stake stake your reputation as a general manager with potentially other needs and other guys with a guy that you don't know if you can rely on even to be healthy at this point. Look here, Betis. Yeah, okay. I mean, you, you, throw aside, the, you throw out all the re- Pascal. Bet aside, it, with a straight face, it, it, would you, if you were picking in the top twenty, would you be okay taking Caleb Farley in the top twenty right now? Uh, no, I, like I said, I said this in the last episode, Kenny, I think, uh, JC Horn is now probably the number two corner in the draft. Uh, but that being said, me as GM and me honestly thinking he's going to go in the first round. I agree. He's probably going to be somewhere between that 20 and 32. I think the dip off from the number three, uh, corner. So you have Caleb Farley, you have Greg Newsom, and then like you have Asante Samuel Jr. or the corners from Georgia. I think at that point it is worth the high-end potential of Caleb Farley, who could be the number one corner in this draft when healthy. I get all the red flags. If you dissect the red flags, they're very minor injuries for the most part. Like when you say back, I know back sounds horrible, but you read into it, he should be good by training camp. I mean, he'll be good in two months to start uh, full contact into the NFL. His ACL injuries are way past him. He has shown he can run a 4-3-40 after the ACL tear. So I think when you take all that in scope, he's still a very good prospect. I think he still goes in the first round. I will say, though, I have dropped my stock on him from being a top 15 pick, probably to a 20 to 30, 
two pick, but because there isn't that star number three or number four corner, I still think he becomes that number just because the ceiling is so high. That's fair. That's fair. I think you both, as a, as a neutral party to this, I think you both make good points. I think Gless, I think the injury history is concerning. I think the lack of game film in the last year and a half is concerning. Pastel, I, I do agree with you there. I think his ceiling and his size are absolutely incredible. I think he's probably one of the highest ceiling players in the draft. And if he didn't have this back surgery, we're probably talking about him as a top 15 pick. So I do think I could see him going any 20 or lower, that 20 to 32 range. I, for me, I have Sertan, Horn, Newsom, and then Farley. I think Farley's the fourth corner. So I think it's going to come down to what GM values guys like Stokes or uh, Asante Samuel Jr. or Elijah Molden or Aaron Robinson. Like those are the guys if they get, if, if, if he gets jumped as the fifth corner to do the fifth corner, that's who's going to do it. Or Tyson Campbell, guys like that are going Eric to be the Stokes. Guy. Yeah, so that'll be yeah. that's what's going to be Eric interesting because I do think I do think Sertan, um, Horn, and Newsom are all going to go before Farley. Now I really do. I think those three will go ahead of them, and then it's really going to come down to which GM rates Farley fourth if he's going to go in the first round or not, and if there's a need for a corner when that GM is picking. Hey, what's going to be a fun draft yeah, night? It's going to be see what so happens fun, here. man. I can't wait. It's gotten tight, Pastel. Yeah. I know, man. I'll, I'll say this, too. The biggest takeaway with all these drafts that we've done is there's probably people listening to this pod like, oh, but you didn't include, you know, players outside of Waddle, top-end talent into the mock draft, all this shows, and it happens every single year, is there is guys that everyone had a first-round grade on that fall into the second round. So there will be incredible, incredible value in the second round. Guys like the guy from uh, uh, Notre Dame. Um, I mean, in this case, Caleb Farley. (laughs) In this case, Jalen Waddle. So you never know. It stinks. I wish, and I don't think it's going to happen. I was looking at the second round in case Caleb Farley fell into the second round. I was going to be like, ooh, like if Farley gets picked in the second round, Pastel has to has to buy a jersey of the team that drafts him. But like, and it very well could end up being the Bengals at thirty-eight one, which would be two. awesome. That would be so about it. Oh, <laughs> two, two. There's really nobody Pastel hates. I mean, I guess maybe if the Eagles picked him or like the Giants, I guess being just kind of local to that area and knowing a bunch of Eagles and Giants fans, maybe Pastel wouldn't like it. But really. In the second round, the the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns don't pick toward the latter half. So, and I don't think he's going to fall that far. But maybe we'll have to make a, a, a another prop if if Farley gets picked in the second round. Maybe Pastel has to buy his jersey. I would say Pastel Ooh, in the second round. Pa- <laughs> pa- Pastel in the second round. Who do you not want to see the Bengals take? Like, do like. Like, Kenny is Alex Leatherwood. Uh, like, do you have a guy at the Bengals in the second round you just want to avoid, like, the plague? Well, I don't want Kadarius Tony. I'll tell you that. If we're going to pick a receiver, which is a likelihood if we pick N.A. Sewell. And honestly, as much as I like Frymuth, and I, and there's talks about you know, us picking Kyle Pitts the fifth overall pick, if we don't get Kyle Pitts, I really don't want to tie in in this draft until probably the fourth round. Okay. I, I think Frymuth is good, I, but I'll take Uzama. Uh, right now is our tight end. So I think that would be kind of a hit for me as well. Outside of, you know, Fryermuth and Katone and Tony, there's so many needs on the Bengals. I think I, I would be okay with a lot of it. By the way, are you guys seeing this, by the way, that Davis Mills is now creeping into, like, the second, late second round in these mock drafts? Dude, everybody is jocking him so hard. It's actually getting annoying. That is crazy to me that he's moved, he is shooting up the draft boards. Like I'm reading a bunch of mocks and I see him like 50 and lower. Like I'm, I'm looking at, at like the 50th through the 64th pick in the second round and almost every mock I'm seeing David Mills, quarterback out of Stanford. And, and sometimes I'm seeing Kellen Mond as well. That would be, I wish Mond, I guess I could get, I, I don't think I, I don't have a second round grade on him, but. At least he's been there, and he's kind of been around that area. But Davis Mills in the second round would be crazy. Crazy. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah, I mean, what, he played one season at Stanford, and what what Stanford play, like five games? Yeah. 
You pretty much he's played like a, he's played like a half a season each year. I, I I just don't understand if if you are evaluating quarterbacks, and and I know this is recency bias, so I, I'll give you that. But when I watched last night of Kyle Kyle Trask in the in the SEC championship game and the throws that he make and the ability to dissect information quickly. He started for over a year and a half. I don't understand how you would pick Davis over Trask. I just, I just don't understand. I, I don't know how you make that evaluation. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. It's the thing where, like, you the quote-unquote prototypical quarterback starts creeping his way up the draft. I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen guys get picked in, like, the second or third round. And you're like, huh? Like that dude? Like Zach? Like like someone like a Zach Mettenberger or a Trent Edwards or, or Christian? Know, a, mm-hmm. Yeah, Christian, Christian Hackenberg. Hackenberg. Yeah, Hackenberg. Guys who are like six, God, he's six, stunk. six five, two hundred thirty pounds, and they have big arms and they have good mechanics, but they've never really put it together. And all of a sudden, you know, they make their way into the tail end of the second round or the early third. It's just crazy. I, I've been seeing that a lot recently, and it's just been head-scratching. I'm like, well, yeah. you know, I'm okay with it. I hope somebody does reach on them because it just means more quality talent will fall to the Jaguars in later rounds. So I'm okay with that. And I know the Jags aren't going to be taking them, so it is what it is. But maybe For coming sure. to a Washington football – maybe Davis, Davis Mills coming to a Washington football team near you, boy. Ugh, gross. Disgusting. <laughs> All right, guys, we, it, it, this is a long one, and so we'll start to get out of here. But remember, you can follow Prospects 101 on social media at Prospects101Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button on whatever the, plat, uh, the podcast platform that you like to listen to us on, Spotify, Apple. Also, please give us that five-star review. That really helps us. Uh, not only boost up the uh, the charts and all the podcast platform, but certainly gives us really good feedback as well. For Kenny, for Pastel, I am Gless. We will be back next week to break down more NFL draft news as well as potentially someone's mock draft 2.0.